Hello everyone, I'm Stephen Crocker and I'm Chief Executive and Creative Director of Norwich Theatre and it's wonderful to welcome you to our relaunched Norwich Theatre podcast, Norwich Theatre Talks. Every month we'll be broadcasting here from my new podcast corner in the playroom at Norwich Playhouse. For this first episode, I'm absolutely delighted to welcome the wonderful Joe Tresini, who this year is starring as Jack in our Norwich Theatre Royal Pantomime, Jack and the Beanstalk. Joe will be talking about his performing career, his life now as a best-selling author, and indeed his role as a mental health activist. And then in the second part of the podcast, we're going to focus on our Theatre of Possibility project. Theatre of Possibility provides opportunities for children and young people facing severe life challenges. And across the Christmas period this year, we'll be fundraising to support another year of this vital activity. Now, it's really important to us that this is your podcast. So after you've listened, or even while you're listening, let us know your thoughts about the things you've talked about, or just get in touch with us and let us know your highlights of your time at the theatre or things you might like us to talk about going forward. This month we've opened Panto and we're really, really thrilled with the response we've received so far. It's wonderful to hear your feedback. We listen and it spurs us on and informs the decisions that we make in the future. We've had some lovely comments. On our Instagram, someone commented... I loved the message to young girls. Become the queen in your own right, not just by marrying the handsome prince. For the four little girls in our party yesterday, they loved it. And on Facebook, Louise said, just back from the panto, OMG, it's amazing. All the cast were awesome, but Joe, what a beautiful, funny, amazing actor. Even made me cry. Please keep giving us your feedback because it really, really spurs the cast on to give you their absolute all. Your prayers have been answered. A brand new production of the hilarious hit musical Sister Act is coming to Norwich Theatre Royal. Starring a heavenly cast, including West End star Lizzie B and the incredible Sandra Marvin. Don't miss Sister Act at Norwich Theatre Royal from the 10th to the 14th of January. Book now at norwichtheatre.org. Well, this leads me really nicely to our very first podcast guest. Now, I will say I made a special request for this person because my first outing as host of this podcast, I'm going to admit I was a little bit nervous and I wanted to have officially the kindest and most generous performer I have ever met. So sitting next to me is Mr. Joe Tresini. Joe is an actor, TV presenter, best-selling Sunday Times best-selling author, and little known, in 2003, he was the British Junior Magic Champion. And he's also become, over recent years, through sharing his incredible lived experience, one of the most prominent and effective mental health activists. He describes himself as an anti-social influencer and has a staggering number of followers on social media. Audiences in Norwich and Norfolk will have first seen him as Buttons, Last year, they saw him as Tommy the Cat, and this year, he's back as Jack. Welcome, Joe, to Norwich Theatre Talks. Hi. Hello. I like that you said you used the past tense when talking about your nervousness. 
<laughs> so you said I was a little bit. It's funny because we are currently in that moment, but the words you used made it sound like it was another time, and I'm going to start doing that. Yeah. Even if I am feeling nervous, I'm just going to pretend that it was yesterday and not now. Absolutely. But I mean it. You, I watch you on the stage, and it's brilliant having you back in pantomime. And there are lots of people. When you create a pantomime, everyone's coming from different places, aren't they? And that's yeah. the amazing thing. Some people will have been on stage for weeks and months. Some will have been filming in telly. Some, you know, haven't performed for a few months. And melding all of that together is really important. And I watch you on the stage, and what you give to that is, is vital because panto means so much to you, doesn't it? Yeah, it does. Thank you for that. I, um, panto, I mean, all theatre is an art form, of course it is. But, um, like anything that is uh, the same but different all the time, if you if you are constantly doing something throughout your life, you don't, if, even if it does change, if you're always doing it, you don't notice. It's like a puppy. If you buy the puppy, you see that puppy, you never ever notice until you look back on pictures and be like, blimey. Chip's massive now. Yeah. <laughs> um, and panto is like that for me, uh, and for everybody that, that cares about panto, is that you don't see how it, the art form has changed over the years. Mm. And I think in the most part, um, m most places it's changed quite negatively. Yeah. Um, uh, purely because of the amount of uh, care that goes into a lot of, of, of pantos is not consistent or uh, necessarily reflective of the amount of uh, money that people pay to come and see one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so I, I love the fact that after all my years, do, all my years of doing Panto have, have led me to being able to do it here with you because it's something that, that if anything, you're, this is one of the few venues in the country that still has that energy that I first felt when I went into Panto. Yeah. Um, so I... Uh, it means a lot to me that, 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 that what I do, you can still feel that, that, that I care about it that much, because I really do. Absolutely. And, you know, we've talked a lot, you and I, about Panto not being static, because it needs to develop, it needs to be relevant and resonant, but you've got to be kind of true to that tradition. And I think a lot of um, pantomimes would naturally cast you in the silly billy or the muddles or the, the buttons, you know, the, the comic role. But yeah. we talked about it, made the decision together, didn't we? Yes. this year that you'd be Jack yeah. the hero yeah. and we created that talk, talk a little bit about the Jack you're creating because it's not it's not the traditional one is it no 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 never no but also but none humans aren't traditional we're, but even though we do some things the same all the time there has never been anybody that's like me and there's never been anybody that's like you yeah. and um, I think that relevance is important in all forms of things especially panto so I think, and I think a lot of pan pantos struggle to keep up with being relevant. Um, so yeah, so Jack, what I wanted to do with Jack again because the, the, the panto is so split up. It's like, well, th this is the story person, and that's the person that falls over. That's the that's the dame, and, and there is no reason for things to be in those compartments all the time. Um, if you could do something different with it, which is why uh, we wanted to do Jack mm. because it makes more sense. It makes more sense for him not to have a brother and him just do everything himself. Yeah, and. Um, uh, especially because of what's going on in the world, um, Panto is an opportunity for people to get together, uh, breathe, not have to worry about anything for a little while. Yeah. And also, I think, which again is really what you uh, then the theatre kindly enabled me to do, is try and um, uh, force feed a message in there that isn't, uh, you know, everything's going to be fine, you're all right, <laughs> that, that is slightly more realistic, you know, because I do th I do think as grown-ups, as the only grown-ups that currently exist, 
um, we have a responsibility to uh, the children that don't know what's happening to let them know that, you know, we care. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I, I, because like, no, I don't. I, my, my perception of the world is. I'm, I, I'm aware that my, my grip on reality is loose at the best of times. <laughs> but, um, that the world is 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 a, is a hard place to be at the moment, and I'm not sure if it's always been this bad, and I was just too young to care, or mm. uh, this is like the worst. But whatever it is, yeah. I think we need to reflect those things yeah. on what people are watching. Yeah. Um, and I, and I and I I do feel like we we we're doing that this year. I, do, I really do. There was a, a staggering moment for me in, when we did Cinderella back in 2019, when you did the first Uke song yeah. in, in the pantomime with Steve Joe's now your co-star. It was a phenomenal rider that ukulele. Really yes, was. absolutely yeah. rider. A rider. What is it? Rider. <laughs> you mean as in like list of yeah. things it requires, not bike rider. That would be weird. <laughs> not even got any legs. You just yeah. be straight off. <laughs> And there was this moment where Joe sang this song that just gave out such a powerful message. And I remember sitting there in the audience and people being surprised to have that quiet, still moment, but also really taken aback by that point for reflection. And my my word, in 2019, who knew what was about to come after that? And, you know, we've tried to hold that moment. And, and I remember sitting in one of the shows over the weekend, I heard somebody around me going, oh, this is where he's going to do his song just before you came on at the end. So it's oh. become that sort of sense of expectation. When are we going to hear Joe's voice? Well, that's, thank you for that. <laughs> I, that I, I appreciate it. I would not... I'm not a big fan of repeating things, um, uh, which is weird because I don't like change. But <laughs> I... Uh, th- this year, I think in a normal... If in a normal world, I wouldn't have done something like that in the show this year. Mm. Because uh, I just would have it, it, those things. Uh, yeah. uh, I inherently want to shift on and do something different. But yeah. because of everything that's happening, uh, it felt like the right thing to do, and that song just came out. Yeah. And uh, so uh, I love doing. It. I, and again, that, that I wrote the, the first song that I sang here. I wrote it for Buttons, but I'd never performed it as Buttons. Mm. I sort of forced it into uh, a show years before. It was all right, but it was weird. It didn't it stood out, and it was just something that I knew that I wanted to do. I had a way I wanted to do it in my head. Yeah. And through sheer luck, uh, what we ended up doing that year was exactly what I'd always had in my head for the thing. So I didn't, um, I wasn't putting too much pressure on myself in doing it. I was just really pleased that uh, it's, it's very rare when you have an idea creatively, especially in something like Panto, that you can, it actually happens in exactly the way that you uh, hoped that it would. Yeah. And I love doing it. I love doing it every time. That I did that. It's it's it's, uh, it's a very very fond memory, especially when well turned upside down. Yeah, that was a real it's as silly as it sort of sounds like a small thing, but just the way that we did that, I was very proud. I was like, hey, listen, I love Panto, and if that was the last Panto I ever do, yeah. I'm so glad that, that that was it. I'm glad that I'm thrilled that there are more Pantos happening, and you know <laughs> that I'm here. But at that point, I was very very glad that um, uh, I'd, I'd been able to do it in in the, the way that I'd intended. But it's about honesty, isn't it? And I think, you know, that the songs that you've done and um, the book that you've recently written is about you sharing things. Often people are really scared to share. You put yourself, you open yourself up, don't you, to say it's okay to be who you are, no matter what flaws you've got, own yeah. them, and, you know, you'll be okay. Yeah. And how, how do you, how, how does performing fit in with that for you? Because... You'd think it would be a kind of a jarring thing, wouldn't it? You're going to play a role on the stage, yet you are someone that's intensely honest. How does it feel when 
you go on stage? I, um, the short answer to your question is safe. Yeah. That's it. Mm. Um, it has taken me 34 years to work that out. Uh, and actually be confident in the fact that that's what it is. I, I, I've done things, I feel things that I, I you know, here I am. And, so, and I, I the, the main thing now is that if bad things happen or bad feelings happen, is that I don't, I make sure I don't feel them for nothing. So or if I make a mistake, anything like that, I try and keep aware of myself and the things that I do. The great thing about being on stage is I ain't got to worry. Mm. Whatever happens, for that amount of time, uh, this is where I am and this is the thing. Um, there's a great... Uh, uh, do you like Michael Bublé? Yeah. yeah. He's good. Isn't he? <laughs> there's a great documentary about him. And there's, a, there's, a, there's a bit where he, um, he's just about to go on and the person says, about, I don't know, 40,000 people out there, and the person doing the documentary says, uh, how are you feeling? He said, it's the best part of my day because this is just what I do. And that is how I feel. I do genuinely feel like this is... Gonna, this what, However it goes best bit of my day yeah because i get to do what i love to do with an audience yeah an audience is great i love audiences yeah, yeah. I, I, I hate groups of people yeah but i love audiences yeah and they're different things you can get lost in a group of people but yeah, if yeah. you're in an audience you're not on your own it's about that I, i've watched you perform and we've known each other for years now and had lots of contact and and you've written you wrote it in the book joe published his book about four or five months ago yes, 10 things September. I, I hate about me. And you say it in the book, that whenever you meet people, the first thing you'll say to them is, are you okay? Yeah. yeah. And it's, it's something we all forget to ask, isn't it? And that's about living in the moment and being present with feelings, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. And it is something, it's something we, I think it's, I completely know what you mean. But I also think, I think it's something that we remember to ask, but we forget to mean. Yeah. So, like, it's constant. It's just how are you finding the amount of times in a day if I'm not clicked in that I'll see somebody and say, "Hi, how are you?" And I go, "Fine, you." And I go, "Yeah, good, you." Yeah. And then to, there, there is a third time that I start asking how people are, which is entirely irrelevant. But it's because I don't actually mean the words that I'm saying. None that doesn't mean I don't care. It just means that that I think as people we are wired up to uh, speak on a certain social level. Yeah. Uh, you know. And that's something I, I learned in the sort of like rehabs and all that sort of stuff that I've done over the years, mm. is that it's quite jarring when I first went in there and the first time I asked somebody how they were and they said, awful. Mm. I was like, oh, so what? What do I do with that? And uh, that's the best way to be in yeah. life, I think. Is And if you, if you don't ask a question if you don't want the answer. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I'm going to turn the question back yeah. because having read the book, and you, you are so open with your story and, and, and what's brought you to this point. How are you now? Um, how am I now? I am awful. Yeah, I am awful. I'm, I'm awful at all times. And nowadays, if you, yeah, if you see me anywhere, not good. Um, uh, I've had to lower my bar of what okay was um, since everything's happened okay. because I was, I was losing a lot of time um, waiting for uh, the world to change again. Um, and then I realised that it wasn't going to because all of the things I was waiting for were actually happening again. Um, but I changed. Yeah. So really, yeah, I was yeah. waiting for things to change, but they never will because they're things. And the thing about things is they don't know anything. So, like, I, I, I am not a thing. I am a, a, a me. Mm. I remember things. Things don't. Yeah. So, like, that's something that I've had to really go, okay, what are you waiting for here and can you control it? No. Nah. 
Yeah. So I have to control uh, me, and I can never control how I can feel, and I, what, what I feel. I can only ever control whether or not I tell you. Yeah. So I do tell you, yeah. um, and I just expect how I feel to be not great in the hope that it might be. Yeah. There's not ruling it out. Like, I'd <laughs> no, love no, to no. be great. That's good, <laughs> and I hope one day I am. But I'm not great more than I'm great, so I should expect the thing that I am more, so I'm not disappointed. Yeah. It's it's a staggering book, and you must be you must be amazed by the the response. I know that you are you are so humble, and that you've created that book as a way of sharing your story and raising awareness about BPD, so that you know it it can help people. Do you how do you feel about that? Because you know this started for you, didn't it? Just before lockdowns, and this was a way of processing the the crazy situation you ended up in in lockdown, being. In, uh, up in the north with, with Holly's parents, kind of by accident. Yeah, yeah. And now over that period of time, it's taken you to an extraordinary place where nobody is talking about BPD yeah. in the way that you are or exposing some of the myths behind personality disorders. Yeah. And, you know, owning their their their, their identity in, in that way. How, how does that feel now? It, I mean, like, my, my, my feelings barometer is uh, inconsistent, to say the least. Yeah. So I'm aware that how I feel is generally wrong. Um, but I uh, only ever talk about how I feel and what I struggle with uh, for me. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's the exclusive reason I do it. And uh, so uh, on that level, I feel good. Yeah. Because it's, it, it works. Because I know that... Uh, wherever I go, there might be somebody there that already knows that I'm not all right. Yeah. I crossed the road on the way, example. I love things like this. Um, to, I crossed the road on the way here, and there was a bus driver who uh, bibbed three times, and then, obviously, I um, put myself. Um, <laughs> but then uh, he just kept on putting his thumbs up like that. Um, <laughs> and then he, and he just kept bibbing. He just kept bibbing. And I, I, my, I thought at one point, like, I'm not in the car. I've not got a brake light. I, I don't know what he wants. But he didn't want to anything apart from just say hi. hi. Um, and something like that is great because that's a bus driver. That's yeah. a bus driver that knows that I'm not all right. Yeah. And when things like that happen, it, it reminds me that at any other point in the day, there might be somebody on a car nearby yeah. that knows that I'm not all right. My life is essentially, all of our lives is just moving from one place to another. Yeah. That's all we do. Whenever I'm in the places, I'm safe. Yeah. The place in between the places is difficult for me. And because I've told so many people I'm not right, it makes those places safer. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm just very, very fortunate that I went sort of that I told so many people sort of like first. I really didn't think this was going to catch on. I thought that I, I thought that the, the the like the the not killing yourself chat was would be like a thing. Like everybody's like, yeah, great, let's talk. But it's still very much just me. There's a few people that, that you know I know that it, it's uh, like help, but I've just done a widespread thing. I was really confident that that the the like worldwide chat about not killing yourself yeah, would yeah. be something that became easier. But yeah. if anything, it's just gotten quieter, really, um, which mm. is um, weird and counterproductive. But I think, uh, I, I think, and certainly I've read your book, we've known each other for ages, we've talked a lot about BPD, and, you know, I, I, I now know when we have conversations, at the end of the conversation, I say to you, I don't hate you. Yeah. And I know that helps yes. if I say that yeah, to you. Absolutely. And and I know that I phoned you a couple of times. I said, How's your day going, Joe? And you said to me, I haven't killed myself, it's going okay. 
that actually, you know, that's 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 a symptom of your condition. But there's a more general message there, isn't it, about yeah. people voicing their feelings? Yes. Because life is so much easier yeah. if there's honesty yeah. around that, isn't yes. there? Yeah. Life is the only thing happening. Yeah. There's nothing else going on. <laughs> there is nothing going on, and 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 we are all doing it. Yeah. And. Even though we there are, there are so many different experiences and, and everybody's going through different stuff, I just think on just on a basic level, let's just talk about it because we're all feeling something. Yeah. We're all feeling something at any point. doesn't mean all of us are nice, some of us are horrible, whatever they are. But, again, I have been sat in enough places to know that consistently how I feel is not correct. Yeah. So if I ask somebody, whatever it is, I would rather ask you... Have I upset you? Yeah. And you say immediately say no, and we both immediately move on. Mm. Than me not ask if I upset you. Yeah. Because then I'm on my own. Exactly. Even though you're here. Yeah. Because all I'm thinking about is, oh god, he hates you. As soon as you guys, oh my god, he can't wait to leave. Can't wait to leave you. <laughs> but uh, asking the question is, I'd rather ask and we Get move on than yeah. Exactly. And that that kind of brings us. Back to Panto, doesn't it? And I, it was such a proud moment, you know, when we sat there. We were in the same venue, weren't we? And you won, you won a special recognition award at the Panto Awards last year yeah. for your advocacy around this. Yeah. And you know, for us in Norwich, Panto is absolutely about that. Christmas is hard for so many people, isn't it? And so to have that sense of escapism, to have that place to go, often. You know, for some of us, families are quite difficult things. And, you know, you're there together with your family. Families choose to come to the theatre together and to have that joy on the stage yeah. kind of helps people through that period yeah. as well, doesn't it? Absolutely. Like, when it comes to, like, theatre, it's like people are, people are intentionally paying for a break. Yeah. Like, so that's, that's why we're there. All different breaks, all different reasons and things like that. Um, and... Again, I might have told you this before, I don't know, but I remember there was a, a, a lady in when I was doing uh, Panto, the place that the theatre that I did it before here. I was mm. there for a few years. Um, it's in Chatham, which is yeah. uh, where I'm from, and it is an armpit. <laughs> um, uh, but there was a lady at the stage door afterwards. She was we well love up. you, Chatham. That's right. Yeah, no, they know. They know. They're there. <laughs> that, that's it. We love Chatham. But if you're in Chatham, you, you do know that it's not nice. <laughs> um, I, uh, there was an old lady at the... Uh, uh, stage door after the show, properly old, like well dead now. And um, uh, she had a granddaughter there and she said uh, that she loved coming to the Panto because it was when uh, being there meant that her Christmas started. Yeah. Um, uh, and they'd done that every single year. And, and I never, ever forgot that lady. I still think about that lady just when I'm doing things. Yeah. But particularly before a show. But it doesn't mm. matter how I feel... What's happening at the uh, during the overture of the, of our show every day, whatever year it is, I stand downstage left with with Emma, who is uh, reading the show out, doing yep. the sound and lighting cues, mm. and Tara, our company stage manager. I stand there and I dance two minutes with <laughs> them. See me not, do that. not choreograph routine, nothing at all. But whatever's happening, that is the time to just jump up and down and go. Yep. Uh, here we are. We are alive. Yep. This is what we do. Yeah, yeah. Because if I'm not having a nice time. People have paid a fortune to exactly. watch me not enjoy myself. Yeah, yeah. And that's an issue. Yeah. And I have to remind myself sometimes that the best bit of my day is about to happen. Exactly. And that's what I do in that time. And I've forgotten your question. No, you've answered my question. Right. And the one thing I was going to tell you, which I don't think 
I don't know whether I've told you before, we surveyed audiences after Dick Whittington last year and 80% said coming to Panto made them feel happier. And and this was at a point in time last year where the world around us was really tough. And yeah. for me, you know, there's so much talk around the theatre world about Panto being a cash cow and, you know, it's, it's a big commercial thing. For us, it is really important to yeah. the viability of these venues. Yeah. But actually that statistic is just as important as what it does financially because it's the moment where you get people through the door for the first time. Yeah. You know, all these other genres, drama, opera, music, dance, they yeah. all rely on Panto being yeah. that moment where you first come to the theatre and that that's why it's so important and, and that we care about it so much. Absolutely. We live in a very bad world, very bad world, particularly at the moment. And uh, culture and honesty and feelings are the enemy mm. um, uh, for anybody that is not uh, actually living life down here where people are. Yeah. And, um, uh, and again, why I enjoy doing Panto so much um, uh, and why I... I enjoy it and I'm able to do it. I feel like the, the, the better than I've done it over the years. I, do, I feel not in a big-headed way, but I feel whenever we do it, I, I'm aware of the fact that uh, this is one of the... I'm not good at loads of stuff, but I do know that, I, that I'm, I'm good at my job and I know that in order to be good at my job, I just have to turn up. That's the only thing I can do. If I try to do anything other than be stood there, there's going to be an issue. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and... Uh, and I think it's why uh, that what I, what you allow me to do in Panto is uh, be myself. Yeah. I don't do different shows anymore for like schools. I used to do. I used to have different tracks in like for when schools are in, and then well, if it's a quiet crowd, I'll do it like this. I put these gags in. I don't do that. I don't do that at any point in my life now. I'm just the same person. And so that's what I do in, in the show. And I feel like we're all we all yeah, do yeah, that. Absolutely. It's just, it doesn't matter who's watching yeah. or how they old they are. Yeah. How old they are. We turn up and do the same show uh, as best we can. It's funny you say that because we've, we've had days making this pantomime and lots and lots of notes and stuff. My only note to you was, Joe, just just be you. Yeah. Just, just be you, because that works. Which is great. <laughs> and that's the easiest note for me to apply. Exactly, exactly. Joe, thank you so much for sitting down with us. It's always lovely to chat to you. I've chat for hours and hours and hours. And thank you for talking and being my first guest and helping me through this as well. Did I help you, really? You did. Well, yeah, well, yeah but I didn't really help. I just answered. It would, it would have just been 15 minutes of you asking questions looking at a leaf. Exactly, exactly. But I appreciate it. <laughs> Thank you. It's been wonderful having Joe Dressini. And Joe's with us in pantomime, Jack and the Beanstalk, at Theatre Royal through until the 7th of January. Direct from the West End, the world's longest-running play comes to Norwich Theatre Royal from the 23rd of January. For 70 years, Agatha Christie's The Mousetrap has kept millions of people from around the world on the edge of their seats. Who done it? Solve the famous mystery for yourself. Book now at norwichtheatre.org. The Mousetrap. Don't just see it, solve it. Creativity helps us express our thoughts and feelings, as we heard from Joe Tresini earlier on. And through these podcasts, it's really important to me that we shine a bit of a light on other elements of the work of Norwich Theatre. And it's a chance to meet some of my amazing colleagues who help make all of that work happen. 
Now, alongside our pantomime at Theatre Royal and our Christmas shows here at the Playhouse, we are running a Christmas fundraising appeal this year. We've done this every year for the past five years to raise funds for a specific project as part of our creative engagement programme. And I'm really pleased with me now on our first ever podcast is Elspeth Hunter, who's creative engagement project manager. And welcome, Elspeth. And now, why don't you start by telling us a little bit of what the creative engagement team get up to? Sure. So the creative engagement team at Norwich Theatre, um, quite a small team, um, but we have a quite big impact, we think. We work lots with local families, the local community in general. Um, and really, we just want to make sure that people have access to the creative arts and can get creative themselves. I think it's important to understand that creativity can really enhance your well-being. Um, so we want to provide experiences where people can come to the theatre and leave feeling better for it. Um, that might be through workshops, that might be through talks. Um, we feel we have a bit of a role to sort of, um, yeah, to provide that for people. And we believe we can sort of enhance people's emotional and social skills and well-being through creativity. Amazing. Amazing. And this year we're raising money for a project that you guys have been developing for some time and it's called Theatre of Possibility. Now, yeah. just tell us, that's an amazing name. Right, <laughs> tell, tell us what it's all about. So, Theatre of Possibility um, first started in 2019 after a bit of consultation with families, with charities, um, and there was a clear need for Activity and provision outside of school hours, outside of those formal education yeah. hours. Um, so a lot of theatre possibilities work happens in half terms, it happens at the weekend, and it's that kind of thing of um, replicating those school hours so that some people, some young people might find it challenging to have that change in um, timetable. So we're just trying to sort of reflect those school hours and really what it's for is for young people who are experiencing or have experienced severe life challenges so in the past uh, we have worked with the Werry school on a, on a summer school um, which ended in an amazing production for them um, and really it's about sort of providing a space a really free space where young people can come and be themselves ex explore their creativity find out who they are creatively and it's really for those young people and I guess some of those young people that you'll be particularly working with will find that school environment and that curriculum environment sometimes maybe isn't the place where they thrive sure. most. I think I think that's very popular. I think, um, yeah, for a lot of people, it can be quite restrictive, those yes. school environment, exams, stuff like that. So having a space where they these young people feel um, they can be themselves, they can learn in their own way. Yeah. Um, we know we work with practitioners who are very skilled in this area. They work with young people a lot. They work in different contexts. So, you know, they do their best to make everyone feel welcome within that space and, and allow everyone to work in their own way creatively. Yeah. yeah. And the project started in 2019. And as you say, like a lot of our engagement work, it came from conversations, understanding where the need is and where we can be most helpful. Yeah. But here in 2020, gosh the challenges around us will be different from 2019 and I guess the need greater absolutely um from conversations we have had it's very very clear that 
the pandemic um, has had a massive impact on our young people locally. Um, there's a big drive locally for uh, young people to access workshops or provision that's going to really enhance their social skills. Yeah. Um, you know, young people in the community may have not had as much uh, exposure to the creative arts because of the pandemic. And, and, you know, we want to give them the best life chances. So it's all about sort of listening to our charities, finding out what it is that their service users really, really would like from us and how we can help them. Um, and clearly, you know, those social and emotional skills are something that we're focusing on as a request from the people that we work with. And how how will we identify the young people to take part in the Theatre of Possibility sessions? So um, Theatre of Possibility has lots of projects that go on throughout the year. Um, in February half term, we are just about to announce our provision there. Um, that will be working with autistic children. Um, it's a certain way of working that we use, like I said, uh, sometimes non-verbal. Um, and that will, people will be identified through the charities that we work with. But that is open access. We often provide, you know, very unique, specific um, programmes for charities in particular. If they've, you know identified a particular need for a particular group we're very much led by the conversations that we have with our partners yeah um and just paint a bit of a picture of the kind of things when young people come to these sessions mm. that they will be doing is it a particular art form or is it a mix sure. so previously it has been very much sort of drama skills based so like i said you know those sort of um fun games, group exercises, it could be mime, it could be uh, really, really interesting sort of communication games with no words whatsoever. Mm-hmm. The, the programme that's happening in February half term, um, we're actually keeping it a bit open this time, <laughs> just because we really want to be led by the participants in the space. So it's going to be more issue-based rather than sort of based on the exact uh practice in the room we're going to ask the young people you know what's important in their world what questions do you have are you interested in climate or are you interested in um, equality or things like Mm -hmm. that and it's really going to come from them and then from that we will develop what that final product might be it could be a dance piece it could be a song it could be some writing it could purely just be an exhibition where they bring their carer or parent to come see what they've done that week that's really exciting to know set out on that being completely led by those young people must be it's scary and terrifying for you and the team delivering it because you could end up anywhere well we could (laughs) um obviously you know there's some sort of uh broad aims with it i guess um but yeah i think it's a fresh way of working and i think that it's inspiring and if we're not inspired by our young people then you know very absolutely and this what i've always been amazed by by the work of you and your team is you know the 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 outputs the things that those young people will do will be of such high quality but you really focus on the impact they have as well you talk to parents you talk to the schools to Mm -hmm. check in and, and measure that don't you Absolutely. You know, before any of these sessions will take place, I'm making sure I'm checking in with parents, checking in with any sort of care providers, um, just so we can make sure those spaces are as comfortable as possible for the young people. It might be as simple as, you know, travel there or just providing snacks on the day, but it's just whatever we can do to make sure that that setting that room is comfortable and a safe space for that young person because that's when you get the best out of people is when you feel comfortable 
that's when the confidence comes out. Absolutely. Well, Elspeth, thank you for telling us a bit more about Theatre of Possibility. We are raising funds across the whole Christmas period through bucket collections after shows. You can give online or you can tap your card to make credit and debit card donations. And every penny goes to support this annual programme of work Elspeth has talked about, which really has quite profound life-changing impacts for young people who are facing the most severe challenges. Please give generously to help us to support this work across this Christmas. Elspeth, thank you. Thank you very much. Well, thank you very much for listening to this first episode of our relaunched podcast. As I said at the beginning, this is about you. So please let us know what you thought and what you'd like to hear about going forward. In the meantime, having met Joe today, I can remind you Jack and the Beanstalk is still running at the Theatre Royal and runs till the 7th of January. Tickets are still available. And if you're coming as a family, please remember that kids eat free in our Prelude restaurant this festive period. Our Christmas appeal is very much underway, supporting our amazing Theatre of Possibility project. So please give generously as you're passing through our buildings or through our website. And finally, all that's left for me to say is to wish you all a fantastic festive period and to all those you care for. We'll be back in January with our second episode, which will feature TV presenter and high performance podcast host, so no pressure for me, Jake Humphrey, who will be talking about high performance and the new live show of the podcast that he's creating with us here at Norwich Theatre. Happy Christmas and a happy new year. <laughs>